0: top 10 takeaways. Off we go from the NFL draft. We had some big movers. We had more fallers than risers because there were a couple running backs, especially Zach Evans, who was supposed to go rounds earlier and did not. And that necessarily would crater his lifetime value rating on our dynasty rankings. So we're just going to jump right in, talk to the the, the two masterminds behind our dynasty rankings and our lifetime value ratings on PlayerProfiler.coms. Dynasty Deluxe Package, where you can see rookie rankings. You can see uh, a draft planner for your startups. It's it's amazing. Check it out. Now, who do you want to talk about to be the most exciting running back to go up the rankings
1: after the draft? For me, it's Jameer Gibbs. It's clearly Jameer Gibbs. I mean, we already had Bijan Robinson at one. Uh, now we have steamed Jameer Gibbs up. Uh, the, the draft capital was simply amazing. Uh, we had some concerns initially, you know, throughout the process, Matt, on the Sonic Truth Pod about the weight. Uh, we never had concerns about the ability, but it was simply the weight and NFL teams did not care. They made him a top 12 pick. Uh, so historically, those kind of guys have all smashed and Gibbs steamed right up our, our rankings. Uh, it was very exciting and, and he moved up big time. Where do he move up, uh,
2: Dario, from RB what to RB what? I think he went up from RB, we had him at 10 or 11, and now he's comfortably RB6. I mean, we definitely had the debate of moving him above Kenneth Walker for RB5, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen early in the season, depending on how the workloads are shaking out.
0: But the bottom line is, our three-year projections had Kenneth Walker where he belongs. Had Kenneth Walker, I think, higher than consensus. I mean, you look around the industry, because we run proper three-year projections, and I just want to say this, And if it offends anybody, I'm not sorry. Uh, Our rankings are real. Our rankings are real. Dario and Billy spent the entire day on Sunday and Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. So it was was like a two-day process. Actually, more time spent on Saturday than Sunday because we had a lot of the data in already on Saturday. And then well into the night on Saturday, well into the morning, and then the following day. It was just an incredible number of hours to look at every one of these teams and. Project the number of touches and the efficiency for every single offensive player, and to update our best ball rankings on player profile or our seasonal rankings, our tight end premium rankings. Then we take those projections for 2023, and yesterday Dario plugged them into our three year projection model, and Kenneth Walker ended up dropping less than expected, because Kenneth Walker has what Zach Charbonnet does not, which is proven performance at the NFL level. We know for a fact that Kenneth Walker is not a bust. Zach Charbonnet could easily be a bust. Plenty of second round running backs have been busts. Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Sony Michel, they were all drafted before Zach Charbonnet in the NFL draft. So Kenneth Walker is dropping significantly, just based on lifetime value rating, the most significant, but when you look at the raw ranking, the actual numeric ranking, we're going to have him higher than most Dynasty ranking services, I suspect. And we'll talk about the fallers, the running back fallers, in a little bit, but the other
2: two running backs to move up significantly were actually not rookies. That's right. I mean, we talked about Isaiah Pacheco on the Mind of Mansion that I joined you for just before we left for the NFL draft. And he's a big winner. He's, he survived the draft. There's no competition added. I mean, they've added a couple of undrafted free agent running backs, but that's not really a threat. I think that more of a threat would be Jarek McKinnon coming back, which they still haven't signed him. But I think that he overall you know, earned sh- this draft from the Chiefs showed that they have so much confidence in Pacheco. And I mean, you have to jack up his dynasty stock after seeing something like that. I got to admit
0: something, Theo. Let me admit something. That I do not like to assign teams with a likelihood of drafting any particular position in the NFL draft. There were some that said, hey, we need to move Pacheco up because the Chiefs have shown us that they are not interested in drafting running back early. The Pacheco pick last year uh, combined with getting uh, so betrayed by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, when I went on Kansas City Radio with Anand Nanduri Friday morning, we talked about how uh, the Kansas City Chiefs refused to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? And so if we had built in or baked in an assumption that the Chiefs would not go running back on day one or two, he would have been higher in the last couple months. But we have no idea what these these teams are thinking. But at this point, now that we have multiple drafts where they spend a seventh rounder and then no capital whatsoever on running back the following year, we can start to make some assumptions about a handful of NFL teams. They are just no longer willing to spend any capital whatsoever on running back. And that will affect our dynasty rankings moving forward. We have some teams around the league that are simply unwilling Put anything other than a late round
1: pick down on a running back because they see how devalued the position has been. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Matt. I think that's a really really strong takeaway. Uh, you have to kind of check your your priors that we would have in dynasty based on some of the success of these guys and also how teams are approaching the position. I mean, we saw last season how Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard both finish as RB ones. Uh, they were certainly drafted a little earlier than Pacheco. But you're starting to see that. And I think that Pacheco this year is kind of on like a collision course in, in Dynasty where he could potentially move up even further. We still haven't seen McKinnon resign. There's rumblings about it, but they have a great deal of faith in Pacheco. Uh, they've done things to try to improve uh, you know, other, other parts of their team, but they've simply ignored the running back position. We saw Pacheco get the rock in the Super Bowl, and I think that's going to continue as long as he can hold up. I think RB32 for Pacheco is absolutely perfect. It's it's bullish but not
0: out over our skis on a seventh rounder. I think it's giving him credit for being on the Chiefs while acknowledging that he doesn't have the pedigree and he is a flawed player. So I think that's that's a that's a, just a picture perfect uh, ranking for Pacheco. When I saw that ranking come in from you all and then putting it through the machine, I was like, "Okay, well this is this is dead on. Dead 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 on." And the other team right now, that I'm willing to say is unwilling to put any capital behind running back in the NFL draft has to be the Dallas Cowboys. And and this is the complete reversal from the Ezekiel Elliott drafting Cowboys of a few years back, right? Now they're whispered to be interested in Bijan, local kid. Oh, another local kid. Oh, Roshan Johnson, right? It's going to be either Bijan or Roshan to Dallas, and then they, they just let Tick by them and tick by them and tick by no running back, no running back. Like they only have Pollard, right? And so this team is starting to look like one of those forward thinking franchises. The Dallas <laughs> can imagine, imagine not willing to invest anything on running backs. So that really the anti Seattle, Seattle on a nice trajectory building their roster back. Uh, and then they they reveal themselves to be a completely backward thinking organization, an organization that typically makes sound picks. The I think. Most likely franchise to go chalk in the draft on any given pick is the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins
1: is one of the big risers. That one I didn't see coming. No, it's interesting. Dobbins is a massive winner, and you keep seeing the you know the improvements in the offense. He could have a a big time season. I mean, all, like everything's kind of lining up for Baltimore's offense to take a big step forward. Uh, the Todd Munkin hire, Odell Beckham. Zay Flowers paying Lamar Jackson the money and not really adding anything that's a threat to J.K. Dobbins. So uh, I think you're you're dead on, Matt. You know it was kind of somewhat surprising, but that was yet another team that was linked to Bijan Robinson for quite some time. And they not only do not draft Bijan, but they completely uh, ignore the backfield entirely. And Dobbins just looks like he he set up for for a smash smash season.
0: Okay, so Dario, we talked about how Kenneth Walker dropping. How do you feel about where we have Walker and Charbonnet?
2: I think, like you said, it, it kind of factors in the fact that we already know Kenneth Walker to be a pretty solid, I mean, that's an understatement. He's a very good NFL running back. And like you said, Charbonnet could still be a bust. I think right now they obviously, I think that, you know, the big takeaway is they kind of nuked each other's value with this landing spot. Like Charbonnet is going to be a threat to take 30 to 40% of those backfield touches in Seattle. And then for Charbonnet's own value, like this is not a place where we ever really can project him to take over that RB1 role. So I think that having them both sitting where they're at, I mean, Charbonnet's dropped to running back 25 and Walker dropped to running back five overall. I think that that gap is well-earned by Walker. I think that the Charbonnet ranking is high. Theo does not.
1: Well, I just think that there's a a certain... (sighs) It's a it's it's a certain like degree of I agree with you I, I I like Walker the player more than Charbonnet I've been high on Charbonnet but in in never in my wildest dreams did I try to 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 push him to that Walker level I do worry about certain things I worry about who gets the goal line work I worry about who's in the two minute offense We see Pete Carroll signaling uh, that Charbonnet he likes his him in the screen game which makes oh. no sense but he's already talking about it. So I think that there's several scenarios where – there's a bunch of scenarios that we just don't – we can't see the way this play, plays out. I think in an ideal situation, Walker is an 80-20 split, and Walker is a bell cow running back with a good, talented backup. I think there's nightmare scenarios where it's a 55-45 split. I think that there's an even more of a nightmare scenario where it's a 55-45 and we don't have clarity on the goal line work or the third down work. So to me, Matt, it's it's just a – we can't push Charbonnet down that that much because of the possibilities of a second-round running back overtaking another second-round running back, as gross as it is. But I'm betting on Walker. Kenneth Walker was a total beast. He was the best runner in
0: college football two years ago. He's essentially the B. John Robinson in the run game in the draft last year. So I am not even going to entertain the notion that when – the Seahawks are facing a critical down in distance and they want to run the ball that they're going to give the ball to Zach Charbonnet. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I believe that Seattle saw a glaring need at RB2 and they don't value draft capital the way that other teams do. And they just went down the board and said, let's just get our best player available at our biggest need at the moment, not realizing or not appreciating that for other teams when you draft a running back in the second round, it means he's going to be guaranteed touches. That's not necessarily the case the way Seattle approaches the draft, and the way a, a number of teams do this. This is this is one of those backward organizations that just looks at, oh, our biggest need is RB two, so let's make sure we we clean up that that problem. Well, make sure we got to address that. With a, uh, like, 46th overall pick in the draft. <laughs> right, so I think this was more about addressing a perceived need that wasn't actually a need as opposed to signaling that they love this player and are going to uh, invest significant touches in him. But then I'm swayed on the other side by the fact that Cody talked to scouts from Seattle at the Combine, and they alluded to this, that they were not interested in in making Kenneth Walker a full-blown bell cow, that they want multiple Kenneth Walkers in their backfield. That that's their intention in the draft. And Cody sort of stumbled back, was like, really? And wasn't sure if it was smoke or not. Turns out it wasn't smoke. So we have that anecdote, but we also have this other anecdote from Alex Dunlap. Is like, hey, listen, this is how NFL teams operate. This is how they fill out their roster. And certain teams don't don't hold second round picks as precious as other teams. So this, and then we're right back to the beginning. Where we're like, okay, I guess Charbonnet moves down to like a 100 level lifetime value rating, and Kenneth Walker still has twice the value because he's a proven commodity as opposed to being, a, you know, a complete unknown in the NFL. But uh, I, I hated it. I could tell you that. There's one thing I know for sure about this Kenneth Walker Zach Charbonnet situation is. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> and you know it's interesting. Israel Abanacanda is not a Zach Charbonnet level running back, but he's he's a quality back, right? He's he's big, he's fast, he's got a lot of those Charbonnet qualities. He goes to the Jets and there's really no there's
2: no worries about Brees Hall losing touches to Israel Abanacanda, right? I think the draft capital makes a big difference there, right? I mean we saw the Seahawks spend a second round pick, same that they did on Kenneth Walker, whereas Abanacanda went in, was it the fourth, the fifth? Like, I think... The fifth round, yep. Yeah, fifth round, day three. Yeah, just like Aaron Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Very clear difference in just, like, what they they invested in him, and I think that that's, you know, that's a big thing. And I think that also we've... From what we've seen on the field of Brees Hall, I think we can say that he's a better pure running back than kenneth walker oh really really you mean a a better all-purpose back not a better pure runner
1: better receiver better receiver dario but uh, in terms of running walker's a beast running the ball
2: walker has more of a tendency to to have big losses like his his big play rate is kind of canceled out by his plays where he doesn't get back to the line of scrimmage i think that i mean Brees Hall was drafted ahead of Walker. I think that yeah, he's he is a better all-purpose back, but I think you could make the case he's a better pure runner too.
1: I would I would lean Walker as a pure runner. Uh, Brees Hall is <laughs> just a unbelievable receiver, um, plus being an an, an excellent runner. Um, you know, Brees Hall is our is our RB two, uh, but you know, Walker Walker's is terrific as well. And I and I, Matt also brings up you know some other sites maybe you know shooting Walker way too far down. I I do think that's a a dangerous game to play because he didn't get injured. He simply has competition. It's competition that I don't really like, but just competition is not something to scare you off of a guy who produced like Walker did as a rookie. So I think where we have him is absolutely perfect. And you know, as a higher dog rating, when it comes to competition, Kenneth
0: Walker, higher dog rating than Zach Charbonnet. It's not even close. And uh, we do have a sound effect for Dario Somehow considering Brees Hall a better pure runner than Kenneth Walker, we I mean, we have a we have we have a really cool sound effect for that.
2: If you look at their breakaway run rates, their true yards per carry. This is man versus machine, Matt. I know. I know. <laughs> oh,
0: we're moving on. We're moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So Banacanda drops to RB forty-eight. Zach Evans drops to RB sixty-eight. Zach Evans is just not that guy, and NFL scouts knew it it's It's amazing to me that thirty two teams could all have Zach Evans solved. and yet so many dynasty leaguers, especially Devi gamers had no idea. but the all thirty two teams were like, you guys are so slow on the uptake on Evans. He's nothing. nothing. He's a nothing. Nothing. Debbie
1: take luck. Debbie take luck guys.
0: Zach Evans eats at nothing Burger. That's where he that's his favorite restaurant. Yeah, he is a so he 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 drops to r b sixty eight. And he's just not interesting. And anytime you go from five-star prospect to getting drafted in late day three and, and you kick off your career at RB68 on Player Father's Dynasty rankings, you're about as dead as it comes. <laughs> you could start low with low expectations and work your way up, but it's beyond rare that you would start with high expectations, crater, and then work your way back. That's just not something we ever see. Now at wide receiver, big movers were Jaden Reed, Jordan Addison, Quinton Johnston. Who do you guys want to talk about first?
1: Jaden Reed. Uh, I mean, Jaden Reed landed absolutely perfectly. Green Bay was the team that we really wanted to draft a wide receiver. We thought it could happen on day one with maybe a Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh instead they go with with Luke Van Ness, which we you know I was kind of making fun of at the time. But when you see their draft in a complete context, it was a great pick Mm. uh, because they end up with Jaden Reed. Um, Jaden Reed was a guy that you and Cody were on big time at the senior bowl. Uh, The NFL teams put a great deal of weight into senior bowl success this year in how they treated the draft, especially on day two. It was like, it was like a senior bowl roster read. Um, And Jaden Reed ends up being drafted into a fantastic situation where he has a path to being the number two target uh, immediately he's going to get the chance to play the slot right away uh he you know Romeo Dubs it was a cute story last year but Jaden Reed is is going to take over that spot um and it, it's it's very very exciting um it's been a team that's used the slot receiver a great deal and Jaden Reed steps steps right in i did not think Jaden Reed would be a second round draft pick i thought he would be a third rounder um, so for him to land here is, is just fantastic, especially with the sort of targets that that are available to him.
2: Absolutely. I was especially going to hit on the draft capital. I mean, we knew we were going to be high on him. We've been high on him with the expectation that he would be hopefully a third round pick. And the fact that an NFL team that had such a big need at wide receiver saw him as a second round pick and used, was it, it was probably a top 50 pick on him. That's, that's huge. I mean, I think that that, totally justifies him being the biggest riser among all the wide receivers after the draft. My biggest
0: takeaway from the NFL draft is that the Indianapolis Colts destroyed it. They owned it. They owned it. They owned it. They owned it. it. And my favorite pick of all was Julius Brents at the 213. That's a first-round cornerback, people. That is a first-round corner if I've ever seen one. Number one athleticism score on player profiler, 100th percentile catch radius at 6'3". 200 and he has the dog in him. He performed at an incredibly high level, blotted out the sun against everybody he went up against at the senior bowl. So okay, you have the athletic profile. Now show it to me on the field, and then he did that too at the senior bowl, and it's like, "Uh, what are we waiting for? How does he how does he make it?" Right? How does he make it to pick 45? It just doesn't make sense to me. That was that was just Ballard is all the way back, man. Like I was out and he pulls me back in Chris Bell or oh my god I'm so excited Colts fan again
2: Anthony Richardson <laughs> that's too perfect
0: Richardson Brent so the, every pick it was it was it was a master's class Evan Hole
1: was a great pick Every pick Bre- Bre- Freeland they get Freeland the the massive uh, offensive lineman from BYU on, on B- They got
2: Ade Ade in the 4th round it
0: was a master's class. I mean, Howie Roseman was teaching a master's class across the hall, and he kept seeing people leave leave the lecture. And he's like, why? Why are they leaving? What's going on? And, he, and, he, and he's hearing chanting and stomping, and he can't figure out what's going on. He's like, I'm doing great over here. Like, I've got, I've got the entire Georgia defense. How is it possible that anyone's leaving? And then he goes and he looks at the draft that Chris Ballard had. He's like, oh. Oh well, then. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I guess that's that's a way to, that you could do this too. Jordan Addison is a beast, right? Jordan Addison, he's a big riser. I see
2: he's at wide receiver twenty-two now. Pretty good. Yeah. Talk about another guy that landed in an absolutely perfect spot. I mean, we knew that there was a hole at wide receiver two behind Justin Jefferson. I think I saw someone on Twitter alluding to this. Kind of echoes. Calvin Ridley being drafted by the Falcons when they already had a clear alpha in Julio Jones with a first round pick, Jordan Addison and Calvin Ridley profile kind of similarly, smaller, routes, savvy route runners and he's going to slot right into that wide receiver 2 role, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing, you know, a top 24 fantasy season right out of the
1: gate. Yeah, I think that if there's a one of the safest bets going is Jordan Addison leading all this entire class in fantasy points scored. From the wide receiver position uh this season like he's going to be the highest scoring rookie wide receiver in ppr leagues i think dario's dario's exactly right he's the kind of guy that can finish inside that top 20 to top to top 24 range in redraft uh it's a perfect situation you have justin jefferson you have tj hawkinson and now you have jordan addison he's always been the focal point of the opposing defense extremely productive player and now he gets to be, you know, second or third fiddle. It's exciting. He's going to have, you know, advantageous matchups every single week. And Kirk Cousins is the kind of quarterback that if he has the, a matchup that's winning, they'll continue to go back to that person. You know, you think about those big KJ Osborne weeks. You talk about the big TJ Hawkinson weeks. It's not just Jeffers, Justin Jefferson, they have spike weeks um, out of other players there. And you could see Addison just. Addison could be like shockingly good this year for redraft. I think also we like we have to talk about the pass volume with
2: Kevin O'Connell. We saw a huge jump in the Vikings ranking and just pass rate over expectation their willingness to throw the ball on downs that they didn't throw the ball under Mike Zimmer. I mean, they were a huge like run the ball after an incompletion on second and 10, which is one of the most inefficient plays in football under Mike Zimmer. And now they're not doing that. They're very heavily pass first with Kevin O'Connell. And there were games where their whole offense got shut out because Justin Jefferson got shut out, like Darius Slay and the Eagles come to mind. And now they have a receiver who can be a good complementary threat alongside Jefferson. It's going to be awesome for fantasy and for real-life football.
0: Breaking news.
2: (laughs) Jarek McKinnon has re-signed with the Chiefs. It's like a it seems like a report was confirmed that he will sign soon. I mean basically official we all kind of knew this was coming. I don't think this should hurt Pacheco too much. I mean McKinnon's gonna be what 31 years old this season. I think that the you know this if anything is better than them bringing in Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette or Zeke Elliott who are all still free agents.
0: Yeah, I think we we we're gonna stay we're gonna stay put on Pacheco. If if this gets you off Pacheco, then you're focusing on the wrong details. The, the chat, by the way, infuriated with my Kenneth Walker position. They think that Kenneth Walker dances too much. They agree with Dario that he's not the the between the, the tackles runner that we thought he was in college. That he was a better runner in the NFL than uh, almost nobody. Right? That Brees Hall certainly better than him uh, in every respect. The chat believes that this is a signal that Seattle is not bought into Kenneth Walker. They believe he's a pseudo bust, and that we're not listening at the one moment and on the one day where NFL teams are not allowed to lie to us. We're refusing to listen. That's what the chat thinks. And uh, well, they 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 kind of they they kind of got me a little bit. They 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 kind of they kind of they touched me. They you know they're 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 inside me. Like I was like I was lick I, was lick, I was, comment 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 hammering. Hammer and I I felt myself starting to uh you know, normally I don't I don't flinch. I started to flinch a little, I started to feel a little bit like, ooh, that one, that one stung, man. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. But time and time and time and time and time and time again, when you bet on the guy that's proven over the guy that's brand new, especially the guy that's brand new coming off a big senior season, the guy that's proven wins. And that's what we do on this show. That's what we do at Player Profiler. And when people pull up our dynasty rankings, they trust that there is a process behind the scenes. We actually had to add additional uncertainty to the machine. The machine, the algorithm that produces a three-year projection for Kenneth Walker was actually more bullish than his ultimate lifetime value rating because it didn't fully appreciate the risk that Zach Charbonnet And this draft pick presents. So once we added that, that additional risk factor, we were all by consensus across the company, very comfortable with where we have Kenneth Walker. Now it's just the truth. And maybe you don't want to listen. Fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. You've heard what we have to say about Kenneth Walker. If you want to put him on the block and you want to sell low, that's now on you. Don't come back to us. Don't come back to us in six to eight months. Do not. Shut up.
1: I think if the the move is, if if you're very worried and you think we are incorrect here and where we have him from a dynasty perspective, the move to make is to acquire Zach Charbonnet to protect yourself instead of getting rid of Walker. That's right. Because even if you don't have Walker, if you have this
0: position, well, I have an idea. Go make sure... That you acquire Zach Charbonnet, go go put a, a Godfather offer down to make sure you get Zach Charbonnet in case anyone else is sniffing around Zach Charbonnet. Be the first one, and if you need to, trade up in your rookie draft to get Zach Charbonnet. Okay, so it's one thing to have takes in a chat on YouTube. It's another thing to go actually go out there and then I want you to screenshot it. I want to screenshot where you picked Zach Charbonnet. Everyone in the comments come back on the Sonic truth or come back on another show in the next week or two. Snapshot where you got in a startup, in a rookie draft in trade. Show us your Zach Charbonnet bona fides. I want to see him. I want to because if this is your position and you think that Kenneth Walker is a bust, and that, and that we're oblivious, even though we know the breakaway run rate, we know the stuff run rate, we have all that data, that all gets fed into the machine. And the machine still, right, the Dynasty Rankings machine, not you machine, not Dario the machine, the Dynasty <laughs> Rankings machine, still wanted us to have him higher than we have him now. So we had to layer in heuristics, the understanding that, oh, Kenneth Walker's not actually uh, a- a- as safe as all the data... On players that is possibly available thinks that he is but no if that's not enough for you if you want to right you follow your instincts sniff out your the 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 true feelings of pete carroll follow that to its final conclusion go get zach charbonnet you should go do it at all costs and then (laughs) screenshot it and send it to us put it in the chat
2: one thing one thing I think is very interesting is, you know, Zach you mentioned Zach Charbonnet was good last year as a senior. And th- I remember there was talks of him coming out as a junior. He ended up going back for a senior year.
0: The fantasy plumber is drafting Zach Charbonnet at the 107. I can't even explain to people how ridiculous and irresponsible with your draft capital and dynasty that is. That is that that is he he's on a crazy train to last place. Fantasy plumber. Fantasy plumber is a joke. The the fantasy plumber, it's parody, right? He's parody. He's trying to say the thing that's the
2: wrongest, right? Because he he thinks it's funny. And it is funny. You think fantasy plumber is is an actual plumber? Because we could have used him at the house last weekend. That's right. He's
0: trying to create the shittiest possible fantasy team. That's what the fantasy plumber is all about. He's plumbing the depths of the worst possible players, and he's collecting all of them and creating a compilation of the shittiest possible options in Dynasty. And to put the Zach Charbonnet at the 107 is irredeemable.
1: I don't think you need to spend the 107, uh, Fantasy Plumber. I think, you know, in, in, in most of these leagues, I think he's going to go a few picks later. So Oh, he's also a liar. The Fantasy Plumber is a liar. He says, I have five firsts and made the playoffs last year. Okay,
0: buddy. Cool. Yeah, he take that's that's a different kind of fantasy football. That's a fantasy football that's in your mind. And you're playing against 11 other imaginary teams.
1: Five firsts. That's an interesting, interesting, uh, interesting outcome. Do you believe that you're in real leagues uh, with real top flight competition? How often have you seen someone win it and then have five firsts in the bank the following year? Not too often in uh, in competitive uh, dynasty leagues, Matt. Mm-hmm. I don't think you see that too often in leagues like you know from the FFPC and and top notch leagues like we're in. Try never,
0: try never, try. I've never seen it. I've never seen it, Plumber. I've never seen it. But please, please, please take the screenshot. Please show us all these places where you're overpaying for Zach Charbonnet. We want the receipts, and then we can just and we can laugh. All year. We're going to refer back to you. September, October, November, December. We'll refer back to these receipts and laugh at you. In a league with your grandmother and her friends from the bridge club. This guy. This guy. Wide receivers. Quinton Johnston. He's moving up.
1: He has to. Fantastic landing spot. And we were worried a little bit about him sliding uh, you know, into the early second. He instead goes up you know, into the high 20s. Uh, it's a, it's a, with two aging wide receivers around him in Keenan Allen, and especially Mike Williams, he seems like a, a, one that's going to affect Mike Williams a lot more. Um, you know, that's not Quentin Johnson's not a guy that we have been extremely high on. Um, and even right now we're still not as high on him as some other sites, mm-hmm. but I think that he had, he had to steam up. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a chance that, that he bust profiles like this can bust can bust can bust. He's a slow
0: Brashad Perriman. Slow Brashad Perrimans
1: often bust. You know, the slow Brashad Perrimans, I, I didn't think of that one, Matt. That's a, I like that. Um, And that makes me think he's going to be more likely to bust based on the slow Brashad Perriman. But Here's the thing. We know that.
0: We know that. But there's still a concept called the law of the conservation of targets. And we're here with the machine, Dario Ofstein. And we're looking at the dynasty rankings. And Quentin Johnston goes up. Mike Williams goes down because that's just how target distribution works. Even if it takes a couple of years for the team to realize, oh, Quentin Johnson's not happening. You can't, Mike Williams can't get those years back. That's the problem.
2: And Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are just not getting any younger. I mean, Williams is going to be 20, I think almost 29 this season. Keenan Allen's already 32. So like they are, They're not going to let Justin Herbert go in a million years. This was bad for Justin
0: Herbert, by the way. This was bad. They could have had. Think of what they could have had. And just, right? They could have had Jordan Addison. Could have had Zay Flowers. Just, right? That would have really helped Justin Herbert. The local kid. You had Jordan Addison playing down the street. But no, 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 no. Okay, okay. Now, we, we're, we're also realists here. We're also not, uh, as the chat says, soaked in take lock. my Kenneth Walker take-locked. We should call the show Kenneth Walker take lock. Nonsense. How can you call us take-locked when the number one dropper, faller in Dynasty at wide receiver is Rashad Bateman, who is one of my favorite players?
1: I think the other thing to realize is we have lifetime value on the site, so you can go look and see where these guys' lifetime values are. Like Matt just said, Ken Walker went down 60 points in lifetime value, so that's certainly not that's certainly not like a like a take lock type thing. This is uh, we adjusted him, you know, down 60 points. I'm not sure <laughs> the guy didn't get injured. And we and he still moved down 60 points, so I'm not sure what people really want to see. Thank you, Doc. Th- you know what, Theo.
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. Just one more time for the record to say that, knowing how much you like Zach Charbonnet. I appreciate that. And we also talked about on The Sonic Truth, trades that you executed in the FFPC, our friends, the FFPC, where you were dealing away Kenneth Walker. So you... You were feeling really good about how you offloaded Kenneth Walker. You talked all about how your your number one priority this offseason was offloading Kenneth Walker and then you you were pretty happy like how that worked out, but you but you also you weren't as happy as I thought you might be because you also knew that Kenneth Walker's a good player. That for all the reasons why you drafted Kenneth Walker in the first place, seeing Seattle go draft Zach Charbonnet and cripple a player in, Char- in Charbonnet you liked that 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 hurt you right it was you were more hurt by that than you were like
1: oh let me go victory lap the receipts on Kenneth Walker trades yeah i mean it damaged Zach Charbonnet uh, probably more than it did Kenneth Walker because Kenneth Walker still maintains this dynasty value um he still has a, a ton of trade equity even with the damage whereas Zach Charbonnet uh you know goes from a guy that i was hoping that we could consider around the 104 To a guy that's now a bottom of the first round type guy in rookie draft, so it it damaged it damaged you know the early rookie draft pick, uh, the ability to take a running back there, um, and it also you know hurt Ken Walker. It was a double edged sword. It was a really really terrible moment. I think this is more of a sonic truth thing, but I think it's a lesson into diversification. You never want to be completely all in, and part of the reason I was moving Ken Walker shares was because I have about a Honda Civic worth of Ken Walker, and I had to chop that down into like a. You know a very used honda civic so i still have a lot of ken walker but less ken walker so it's it it doesn't hurt quite as much and i you know have a little less less risk with it and i was able to turn one ken walker into one John robinson so that was that felt awesome yeah super savvy super savvy oh,
0: we're now way on overtime this is my fault this is absolutely 100 my fault that we, we've gone way over time uh theo is committed Dario's committed to other podcasts that we have to be doing. We did this last minute. So that's the machine gun sound because we're going to rapid fire tight end movers. Talk about
1: your favorite mover up, Theo. It's Dalton Kincaid. I've been on the Dalton Kincaid Island for a while. Um, and I I said the night before the draft. From the content house, I, I jumped on with the Goat District, and I said Dalton Kincaid will be a top 12 tight end in redraft this season. That was my bold take. And he lands at a fantastic spot in Buffalo. He moves up from Daria. We had him tight end 13. He moves up to tight end 8. So we already had him pretty high. We knew he'd be drafted um, highly, but we didn't think that he would necessarily end up in Buffalo. I love this this spot. Uh, I think it's, it's the nuts landing spot for Kincaid. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy because he was one of my guys for, for on our on our player profiler site. Um, but I just again I love him stylistically, and I think he's a lock a lock first rounder in not only tight end premium, but I think he's going to be a lock first rounder in non super flex leagues.
2: Okay, Dario, talk about a, a tight end you like who's moving up? Chica Conquo. I mean, he's a huge mm. winner because the Titans they didn't draft a wide receiver until really late. I think I'm blanking. I think they they draft. I know they drafted a second tight end, Josh Wiley. Pretty late. He's one of he's kind of one of the more athletic pass catching tight ends. But the overall he talks about conservation of targets, the opportunity for Chick Gukwonquo, and I mean Traylon Burks in that offense as well. If I'm gonna go on a tiny bit of a tangent, is gonna be massive for those two guys. And tangent and
0: rapid fire?
2: <laughs> just hugely excited for Chig and and Burks both. That that wasn't a tangent. How about you, Matt? I, I thought
0: I thought I got you all. I, I didn't I didn't mean to. I didn't really mean for you to stop the tangent. No, that was that was the entirety of the point. Don't worry. Oh, that's <laughs> no tangent then. By the way, the the movers down. These are players that we didn't have high anyway. Kuntz, Darnell Washington. We warned you. We warned you. We warned you that Darnell Washington is viewed by many NFL teams as a blocking tight end, even though he's really athletic. And now we went to a team that already has Pat Fryermuth. I actually called this on TikTok. I could play this in the outtakes, my, uh, my warning about Darnell Washington. So for that reason, almost no surprises on the, on the tight ends that were drafted late or went to bad situations. And uh, really only Dalton Kincaid moved up more than 10 lifetime value rating points on our dynasty rankings because he went first round and he went to the bills. And when you do that, you're going to move up 10 plus uh, lifetime value rating points. Finally, quarterback who's moving up a quarterback that
2: some people may not have realized is, is so super primed for, for a bump. I mean, I think it's Lamar Jackson drafting Zay flowers is clearly an investment in throwing the ball more. I mean, now with Odell Beckham and Zay flowers in town, that's like, they also Lamar Jackson got paid on draft night. I mean, a week ago, there was this uncertainty hanging over his head of will he have to hold out this season? What is his relationship with the Ravens looking like? Would he be on another team in 2023 or beyond? And now he's locked in with the Ravens who are going to be, a, you know, they're a very stable organization. That he's they've got him a first round wide receiver. I was a little bit nervous about, you know, 30-something year old Odell Beckham being his number one wide receiver. But now with Bateman, Flowers, and Odell, I think that this is going to be a more pass heavy offense than we've seen before. He and this the insecurity of his contract situation has been completely relieved. He's a huge winner from the weekend.
1: I love that call, Dario. Uh, Lamar is an excellent answer. Uh Matt, we should also mention that Jordan Love had to move up yes Jordan Love but based on the you know Green Bay has done things in this draft to really help Jordan Love uh they add not one but two tight ends that we really like we weren't necessarily ecstatic about the fact that Musgrave and Kraft have to compete with one another because they were guys we were high on but I think stylistically it allows Green Bay to go to 12 personnel with two you know pretty exciting young tight ends then they add Reed who's really going to help him, um, especially on underneath routes. And he's got a true alpha in Christian Watson and a double-headed running back attack in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon that have had success over the years. So uh, I think that Jordan Love is being put in a position where he's going to beat his ADP this year, and I think he's being put in a position that he can hold that quarterback job for longer than some might think.
2: Absolutely. And I think that also the fact that they didn't draft Really, like, Did did they draft any quarterbacks at all? I don't think so. I mean, they they could have spent a second or third round pick on Hendon Hooker, and that would have showed us that they have a lot less confidence in Jordan Love, but the way that they navigated this draft shows us that they feel pretty good about Jordan Love and that they're going to let him have the reins at least this season.
0: Big fallers at quarterback. uh, Hendon Hooker, Wolf, uh, went later than we wanted. uh, Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers trade, bye-bye. And uh, Justin Fields, little, little, Justin, little Justin Fields, got to adjust Justin Fields down. It seems like this team wants to be uh, running the ball and protecting Justin Fields. And that means fewer fantasy points. It's, it's not what you want to hear, but that's not what we're in the business of. We're not in the business of telling people what they want to hear. It's what you need to know. it's not what you want to hear but that's not what we're in the business of we're not in the business of telling people what they want to hear it's what you need to know this is man versus machine matt fantasy plumber is a joke slow brashad Paramans often bust that's right he's trying to create the shittiest possible fantasy team Hey, don't bank on Darnell Washington getting early draft capital. I think he's overrated. A lot of NFL teams see him as a tackle. Yes, athleticism matters. We love athleticism at playerprofiler.com. But if the NFL sees you as a tackle, no matter how many fantasy gamers love your 40 time, it ain't gonna matter, baby. Slow Brashad Perrimans often bust.